On 1116, SEN, the Four Diego's. Cahill's got Forneroli running, turns, turns back, goes around. It's a great move. Going to send it across in. Sends it in. There's a chance. Oh, oh, that is fantastic. Who else? Bruno Forneroli. That is clinical. It's 2-0. Wow. Little push off from the boot. Very cheeky. Gets away with it. Still going to boot. In the D. Sends a shot. He deflected. That's a goal. It's a deflection that gets past Buzanis. I think they'll give it to Naboot. He certainly was proactive and made it happen. It did deflect. And the Victorian has come home and made his presence felt. It is 2-1 in the 36th minute. Welcome to the Four Diego's final whistle. And uh, on a night where Melbourne City defeated Newcastle Jets 2-1. Fornaroli scoring twice in the 14th in the 27th minute. And then uh, Andrew Naboo back at home scoring... Uh, for Newcastle Jets in the 36th minute at Amy Park. Still searching for a crowd number tonight. Uh, <laughs> thanks to Ed White, of course. A great call with Grant Brebner and Jonathan Howcroft and the SEN call team uh, doing it home and away this year. It is the Four Diego's final whistle. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you. Thanks for your company. Thanks for your company tonight, Carlos. How are you? Uh, my company? Uh, with, uh, <laughs> well, Proprietary hoping. Limited? <laughs> Proprietary Limited Company? Thanks, I'm taking you over tonight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. On a Thursday night, there's A-League football. We're, uh, yeah, we're here to talk about it for the next two hours. We I cannot are. wait. I can't wait either. Uh, Vinny Venezuela, welcome to you. Good evening, Rodrigo. Good to be here. How good is Fornaroli? Jeez. Be, how good is he? Two nights in a row. Warren Diego, congratulations to you. Melbourne City, uh, as, as you heard on the news, they're second on the ladder. Yeah, yep. anyway. and uh, not playing that well, but getting the results. But I'm going to... You're putting a lid on it. Oh, there's absolutely <laughs> a lid on Actually, I'll lift the lid on a couple of things, and I won't go too early with those. <laughs> but I was there tonight. Great atmosphere. Mm. Really, really good atmosphere. Really respectful at the start of the night with the Remembrance Day ceremony, which reflected... You know, tomorrow is a significant day in our history. Off Look the, right on off TV. The, off the text message. Oh, actually, I want to throw this one out. Uh, we got um, Peter from Plenty saying, how disrespectful is the crowd? The amount of talking during the last post, uh, post was disgraceful. Did you find that the, on TV Look great. you Look, could have heard a pin drop? Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, I'm not in the stadium. I'm in the studio anyway. here. Warren, did you find it all... Well, where I was sitting, it was it was absolutely respectful. I, I was, it was um, fantastic to just below the, the media yeah. box area yeah. with the um, Melbourne City members, and uh, they were extremely respectful. So I thought, and it was really well done yeah. with the with the band and the music and the way the players. And I think it's a unique thing, isn't it, that you that you have football teams come together with players from all over the mm. world. Yep. who haven't necessarily had a significance in participating in, in the wars that Australia's been in. So I think um, that adds something to it in terms yep. of the respect that they participate in. Warren, uh, the, the Trump thing, did that keep people away? <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good point. <laughs> well, well, really? <laughs> Certainly. 
It's certainly um, those people that were um, involved in Brexit and now being trumped. Yeah, they they've struggled to get to the Clearly. game in the last yes. three, two to three months. But no, I think um, I think in general terms we've recovered from what happened yesterday. O- OS. Do we care anymore? No. Really, no, we're turning over we there. On. We move on. A game of football was played tonight. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. And all the citizens of the all the American citizens have turned their attention to Melbourne City versus Jets tonight. Do you want me to put it out there? I'll put it out there. I said I would and I will. Go on. Bruno Fornaroli mm-hmm. is the best player that I've ever seen in the A League in. In Melbourne, in live, yeah. live, <laughs> best player I've ever seen. How much? How much more narrow do you want to be? Best player I've ever seen in this country. Live, Full stop. Live. Better than Del Piero. Better than Del Piero. Oh, I think oh. he's better than Del Piero. Absolutely. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying he's better than Del Piero through his whole career. But here in the A League, as a player yeah. playing in our competition, yeah. he's the best ever. Yeah. More. There's more wow moments ever, for me ever, from Carlos, him. ever. Yeah. Okay. NSL right. incarnation. Okay. Is the best ever. Better than the Vajuka. Better than best. Oh, that is garbage. Best. That is garbage. 9429-1116. <laughs> it could be. Is Bruno Fornaroli the best ever in the A-League hotline? 9429. He said A-League and in the cell. He did. Ever. Suddenly you've got Paul Oak on, you've got Ned Zellich, you've got... Mate, Finn, can you open up this Pandora's box? <laughs> Keep yeah, the, well, the, close the box. Yeah. Close the box. No, no, the box is open because I'm going to say, you can't tell me what the others could do. That he can't. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Tonight's show is brought to you by Tax Talk, best on plumbing in the Northern Football Academy. Thanks to our sponsors, and uh, we're taking your calls right throughout the night. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. We've got Milos Degenek uh, mm. coming on a little bit later on this hour. Um, he's been very good to come back because we tried to get him last night, mm. but the boys were uh, stuck in, in traffic, traffic yeah. unfortunately, <laughs> and uh, couldn't get them. I hope they're not stuck in traffic tonight, but mm. we're uh, going deep into the uh, Socceroos camp tonight. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen, or send us a text uh, zero four. Double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Just um, off the last post, and the um, given that it's uh, remembrance round, uh, complete silence yeah. when the last post was on. And it's something about the last post, isn't it, it's guys? It's just yeah. I'll tell you what. If, if the players went onto the park. I noticed when they were sort of got the cameras on the players, they were on there, and the, the whole the whole ceremony started. And you're thinking, oh, you know, you can see it in their eyes that they're thinking, oh, I can't wait for this game to start, but. About thirty seconds or one minute, they all got into it. You could just see they were all actually, you know, reflecting on what this was all about. No, it was fa- it was fantastic. And um, hey, look, by the way, nine four two nine eleven sixteen. With thanks to our good friend Anthony Grimer from uh, Football Federation Victoria's Community and Business Network, we're giving away four copies of Soccer Rufus and the Big Debut, written by Andrew Beck in conjunction with Archie mm. Thompson. So we've got four copies of that book, with thanks to uh, Community and Business from the FFE. Uh, sign up your club or business on as a member today for 2017. Check them out at uh, communityandbusiness.com.au. Give us a call tonight. We'll give four away to four of our best callers. Yeah. Um, and you know you know what the Diego's are like. We love giving it away. If you've got a fantastic call, we might give you one on the spot or we might give you one a little bit And later the kiddies on. are in the car. Kiddies are in the car. Start tugging away at your parents. Give us a mobile phone. Give us a ring. It's a brilliant book. Soccer Rufus and the Big Debut by Adrian Bank in conjunction with Archie Thompson. 9429-1116. So let's, uh, let's get into some discussion about the game as we have already. But... Uh, how do, we, how do we assess tonight, Carlos? You start. I want to hear Warren. He oh. was there in the stadium. It's your little baby, Warren. Tell us some outrageous thing about how you assess the game tonight. Well, Forrest Gump once said that life is like a box of chocolates. And I, and I genuinely think that following Melbourne City, and this is no matter what incarnation you get of them, 
it's a bit like a box of chocolates. The first 15 minutes or so, it really looked like they, they could score a cricket score in terms of the goals. And yet in the second half, it was flat, it was chanceless, and they still allowed Newcastle to have the best the best chance of the game not to be finished, and that was um, in the first five minutes. They should have scored from about two metres out. And then they allowed Andrew Nabu to score, and it was 2-1, and you were thinking... Are they, are they too comfortable, Warren? Is it, is it, are they just getting to a sense of comfort too? Yeah, I think, they, I think they, they is, get a sense of... But you're not going to win anything being comfortable all the time. No, and they haven't won anything yet, and the question mark is whether they can. I think at their best, there are a couple of subtle changes to the team today. I think Ivan Franich made a real difference in the terms of the crossing, and Tim Cale had his best clear-cut headed opportunity for the season so far, and that continued to be a presence. And I think um, they went to a back four. Neil Kilkenny played in the middle of the park. I have to um, say a, that I like Caceres a lot tonight. I thought with, without, um, with him being able to run the midfield himself, okay, I thought he played really, really, really well. Tires a bit as he, as he would, but overall, Melbourne City's best is as good as any team in the competition. They can win everything, everything at their best. But but they've won nothing, and they're mostly comfortable in most games. But they're vulnerable. Uh, very vulnerable. I think it's me that really affects mm. them, because they're a bit like Liverpool. <laughs> they can score lots, but you're always worried about them conceding. It's, it's all about you, Warren. I think the first five minutes of that game were very compelling. And uh, Newcastle, Nordstrom, I don't know how you missed yeah. from there. <laughs> but I just don't know. I know. Actually, you reminded me of me when I played. <laughs> But, uh, Missing from almost under the side yes, of the crossbar. It was like, that, that'll go viral. <laughs> I hope it doesn't for yeah. his highlights package. No, no, but but uh, I think that would have made change the complexion a little bit of the game if that had gone in. Yeah. nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Give us a call tonight. And Andrew from Caroline Springs opens up tonight. G'day, Andrew, and welcome to the show. G'day, guys. How are we? Yeah, very well. That's the way. Just um, heading home with the, with the boys in the car after the game, and I'd just like to bring uh, Van Skip to the table. Mm. Uh-huh. Um, what are your thoughts, Anthony? Andrew, well, sorry. Look, this evening, there's, there's an issue when we take a corner. For some reason, they continually aim at the front post. Mm. And it's really frustrating to watch knowing that we've got Cahill in there that just needs a ball somewhere within the penalty box, and he's going to get his head on it. And in every single corner I've seen this this year, probably Franich has probably put the two best ones in. Yep. Uh, and the rest just constantly hit the front man. The second point I want to make, tonight's game, you could tell at the 70th minute mark, changes needed to be made. And then you, you're winning you're winning 2-1, and he decides to do a double change at the 86th minute. Why wouldn't you space it out and do a sub on the 86th when the ball goes out again? Do another sub. Why would you do a double sub at once? I mean, it's just common sense football where you ice the game when you're 2-1 up with five minutes to go. Yeah, uh, look, this wasn't the first point there, Andrew, as far as the heading's concerned. From memory and watching Timmy over a long period of time, I don't think he scores a lot from corners. I mean, he, he actually, I think at Everton he scored some sort of uh, at the near post. But generally when he scores with his head, it's during general play, and that's what we're not getting 
we're not getting the best out of Timmy because we're not using him properly. Now, with Frenich in the team, we, we, saw, we saw a little bit in that first 20 minutes or so. I think he sort of tuck it out a little bit, uh, Frenich, because he's, it's his first full game. But uh, I thought we started getting some quality crosses in there. We did see that, that bullet header at one stage that went straight to Jack Duncan. So I think it's in general play that we've got to find Timmy where he's one-on-one or two-on-one. We can climb over the top of defenders, but it's, in, but it's not the set-piece work. I just don't remember him scoring a lot from set pieces. It's more, it's more during the, the flow of the game. As far as the changes are concerned, mate, uh, look, you, you, you may have a point, but often what actually happens is, you know, they, they might have a plan at a certain uh, minute of the game or a certain stage of the game where they're going to make a change. And it may be all to do with making sure Timmy gets 67 minutes into his body rather than, you know, 90 minutes. Or, and oh, just, so the GPS is uh, dominating yeah, yeah, decisions. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, we, we hear a lot about, you know, sports science these days and maybe it's overused sometimes, but uh, I, I, I don't, don't normally like to criticise um, coaches only because we don't know what the pre-planning was all about. But, mate, I'm hearing you, and you could be right, but there could be more to it than just not knowing what he's doing. Yeah, look, good call, but I'm just not liking the disturbing tendency of thinking that John Van Skip is at the heart of everything that City does that's not good. Well, there's pressure on him now, Warren, because he's got a squad now that should be winning things. Of course there is, but tonight the team played... Really well, but you and can in the quest- sixth win, the fourth win in six games. I mean, you can come question, on. you can question the intensity. You create controversy. No, Carlos, you go can on. question the intensity of the team when when they when they've got to you know really battle something out. They battled it out. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that they haven't, but sometimes the team can have all the position in the world like they did in the second half and go nowhere with it. Okay, sometimes that's a guidance thing. That's sometimes players not following instructions, but generally you have the coach and the players in the save wave league. So if they don't win things this year, he's under pressure. And uh, we talked about this the other night. People are starting to call for his head right now, and they look like a ridiculous. team that could go all the way. It is ridiculous. No, it is ridiculous, but the pressure is on him uh, for this team to win, start winning things. And what will take a lot of pressure off if they end up winning the FFA Cup final against Sydney in a couple of weeks' time? You know, Newcastle are a bit of an anomaly. I think they took the, the long-haul flight from Dubai to, to <laughs> Melbourne, so they looked very jet-lagged, and yet they made two very good chances at the start of the game when City were dominating. And then, and City, I thought they were going to just clean up. Once Fornaroli scored that second one, I thought they were going to clean up. But then they Newcastle came back in the second half and they were allowed... Then they came back on the pitch and they were allowed to impose themselves or they just weren't quashed. And I don't understand why that happens given the quality that City have got on the park. Thanks for your call there, Andrew. Stay listening. You might uh, pick up a book, uh, Soccer Rufus and the Big Debut, with thanks to uh, Anthony Grimer at Football Federation Victoria's Community and Business. Leonardo's on the road. G'day, Leonardo. Um, Well, yeah. have a think about it, Leonardo. Who was your favourite player first? Who was your Who was your favourite? Yeah. Your voice just dropped there. Ah, yes. He's he's like a pocket rocket, isn't he? You're probably taller than him, Leonardo. Yeah, I know. Hey, what do you like about uh, Fernando? Do you like his hair? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think he dived? <laughs> no, no, he was pushed. He, he, was, pushed. he was pushed, <laughs> definitely. Hey, um, Leonardo, Leonardo. Can... Better than Mortarelli, for sure. Right, there you go. So, Leonardo, your voice has dropped in and out. You, go, you keep going from the kid. Hey. hey, Leonardo, do you like... Um... <laughs> He's just a grown man who goes high with his yeah, voice yeah. trying to get a book. <laughs> you know what? You know what, Leonardo? Because you called and you can change your voice like that. Um, we're going to give you a book, Soccer Rufus and the Big Debut, which was written by Adrian Beck in conjunction with Archie Thompson, um, with thanks to uh, Football Federation Victoria's Community and Business Network. So congratulations for that call. Stay on the line and we'll take your details and uh, make sure um, FFE sends you that book. Good call. Well done. Thank you. There you go. Well done. Good on you, Leonardo. Let's go to Arthur in Dingley. G'day, Arthur. G'day, guys. How are you? Yeah, very well, mate. What do you think of the game tonight? Um, yeah, yeah, I thought we did okay. Um, I thought we did well. We found um, Brown in the middle. I didn't have a lot of faith in Caceres, but, yeah, I thought we, we we did what we had to do. We got the result. Um, what I wanted to talk about was um, JVS, just like probably everyone else that wants his head on the chopping block. But I want to talk about um, some stats and some figures and some dollar signs. He has been the highest paid coach since he entered the A-League. And since he entered the A-League till right now, he has, and this is a fact, he has the lowest winning percentage out of all the coaches. When he started with Melbourne Hart, he played one, one formation and one system. Slow passing, build up back to the defence, played a 4-3-3. The strikers were isolated. The wingers were isolated. Now, what we're seeing now is not JVS. It's not him. These games that they play, they get sent back to, America, to England, just like New York City's games, just like our youth team games and our W League games, and they get analysed. And then, when they, they're, they're on Skype two, three times a, a week, if, if not four or five, with um, Brian Marwood and, and all the football directors from the City Group. They get told how to play as well. Now, the only reason Van Skip is still coaching at City and he didn't get the arse two, two seasons ago was was only because of a business decision. They said that Melbourne City has a budget, and if we have to pay him out two years, we have to pay him out nearly $1.7 million. So that, that is the only reason he's, he's here. And if New York City didn't do so bad in their first year, Patrick Vieira was on his way here. He was going to coach Melbourne City. But because they have more members and um, it's more of an asset, they sent him straight there. I'm telling you now, if Amor from Adelaide is not coaching Melbourne City next year, it's going to be Josip Gombau. And if, uh, uh, um, I reckon 99% that's going to happen. Arthur, you sound like you know a fair bit of uh, you know the background or what's happening behind the scenes, and you, you could well be right, mate. But uh, what also can happen with this team is that John Van Skip could win the FFA Cup final in a couple of weeks' time, and he can go quite deep into the finals. I would think that they would have to get into the grand final for him to be now... Uh, called a success in, as by way of a coach. He took him to the, the second last game of the season last year where the finals were concerned. So I'm hearing you, and, I, and what you're saying 
can make sense. But what solves all that problem for John Van Skip and the club is for him to win. And he's got his first chance in a couple of weeks with the FFA Cup. There's no reason why this team can't beat Sydney, even though Sydney... You know, people talk about how good they are. I, I, I think that Melbourne City on their day, with a little bit of uh, intensity about their game and then focused and, and concentrated for the whole 90 minutes, I think they can win that game. And once they do that, the, you know, the, the monkey's off their back. And suddenly, you know, people can still criticise John Van Skip, but if he starts winning trophies, that's a, that's a whole new complexion about how you've got to evaluate him. Thanks for your call there, Arthur. Stay listening. You might pick up a book, uh, Soccer Rufus and the Big Debut. Hey, uh, let's take a break now on a night where Melbourne City defeated Newcastle Jets 2-1. We'll come back with Vinny's best on ground, Warren's tax audit, and Carlos's young gun coming up very, very soon. This is the Four Diego's final whistle on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of football. Football is like a religion to me. I worship the ball and treat it like a god. Too many players think of a football as something to kick. They should be taught to caress it and treat it like a precious gem. This has been a hot and sweaty but strangely arousing Pelé moment by the Four Diegos. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diegos. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday night edition. Uh, it is Remembrance Round. Melbourne City defeated Newcastle Jets 2-1. Fornaroli scored in the 14th and the 27th minute. Uh, and then Andrew Naboo scored in the 36th minute for Newcastle Jets at Amy Park. And uh, still trying to get a crowd number tonight, but uh, maybe... Why? We just said Why that. Well, they do did, that? Well, because people what, are what, asking what, the questions. No me. one's asking. On, Everyone's me. asking. No one's what, asking. Oh, you mean me or do you mean Fox Sports or the FF? No one's asking. Sorry, I didn't see it on the. Te- I wasn't there, so I didn't see it no, on I the telecast. I haven't seen the crowd figure. And I'm it's just trying not to. Um, it's not relevant. <laughs> I'm actually just trying to um, give people a bit of a snapshot Absolutely. as to what happened. Just you know, the scores the snapshot. People well, are driving home right geez. now, and before they want the score, they're finishing work. It's like, what was the crowd before they want to know the score? Why? Should because I have gone? Should I have gone? Absolutely. Was it a pumping crowd? Absolutely, Warren. I can tell you, I was there. It was a You're pumping so crowd. You're so defensive. You're so defensive. And, and Mark, Mark from North Bullen, uh, who's asked uh, crowd or seagulls, I'm actually <laughs> looking for the, for the crowd. Thanks, Mark. Um, look, it was a big big game today. We've been talking about, uh, obviously, uh, you know, the, the game and how we assessed it. Uh, please give us a call, 9429-1116. We'd love to hear from you. We've got a special guest as well coming up a little bit later on, Milos Degenek, uh, inside the Socceroos camp for their Thailand game. Uh, we're going to try and get him around, uh, you know, quarter two, ten two tonight. So looking forward to that. Uh, and we're trying to, we're trying to get someone from the city camp too. Working very hard for that. Trying, trying he's been in hard. traffic since last night. He has. He has. So, I mean, that's what it's like over <laughs> the there. The tuk-tuk took the long way. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. You're just as important, more important than uh, than anyone tonight. Give us a call, nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Got three more copies of Soccer Rufus and the Big Debut to give away with thanks to Football Federation, Victoria's Community and Business Network. It's uh, 28 to 11. Now give me a beat. Vinny's Best on Ground. With thanks to Best on Plumbing, Victoria's trusted plumbing and drainage experts for over 26 years, give them a call on 1300 Best on or go to their website, beston.net.au. Vinny. Rodrigo, as you know, as the boys at Best on know, you want your pipes to be clean. <laughs> you want things flowing freely. You don't want you blockage. Do. You do. I don't. And the man who just has got a flow about mm. him all the time is mm. uh, Mr. Bruno Fornaroli wow. FC. I just think he's a gun. Mm. And he scores goals for fun all the time. 
that second one was just one for the ages. I think that I think Timmy would have had a bit of envy there for that that goal. He, he does it so well. Yeah. He leads quietly. So I'm going to give him the best on. Only um, the great players award. could strike a volley at that height, uh, running onto it the way he did around the corner. The best ever. You're right. There's some just some great, great players score goals like that. It was brilliant. Thank you very much there, Vinny Venezuela. Uh, that is the Vinny's Best on Ground. Thanks to Best on Plumbing at, uh, what is it, uh, 942-911-16. Give us a call. Got some uh, interesting... Who, Warren, what did you say about uh, Fauna Rolli? He's the, the best ever player. Actually, just got a couple here. Zarko Odzakarov. No, no, no Zarko. Z- yeah. What did I say? Odzakov, yeah. yeah. Best ever NSL yeah. player. Mark Warren is by far the best player I've seen in the A-League <laughs> slash... Zarko Ojakov no, yeah. was a fantastic player with the Mad Dogs uh, when Frankie Arok put him through. He played against Scotland at the uh, Olympic Park back in 85, and what a great player he was in the, in the NSL for, um, I think he was uh, with Preston for a while, and he went up to Sydney and played up there too. So really good player. One of the greatest exports we've had. It's a harsh caller, Mark Warren. I actually like him, the Perth player. He goes he's, okay. He's just quietly. No, he's not in the Bruno Fornaroli No, he's not, class. but he's not the worst ever either, and that was... <laughs> I he said like... he was the worst ever. No, no, no. Did you say that? There's a goalkeeper for Western Sydney. Yeah, yeah well, you, you've <laughs> ended not, his no, career. I'm not he had to move from playing. Melbourne. He had to move from yeah, Melbourne yeah, because yeah. you destroyed his career <laughs> yeah, in Melbourne. That's true. He thanked me for it. Yeah. Too. Melbourne City fans, if you're in the car on the way home, 9429-1116, it is the, what is it, the Fornaroli Express <laughs> hotline. <laughs> give us a call. We're giving away a book tonight. Yes. So, uh, well, three more of them tonight. So um, give them a, give us a call, 9429-1116. Now, uh, what about uh, here from Christy? And, and by the way, Christy, thank you for uh, texting. You were a star um, last at, during the last final whistle. Was that um, having a go at me? No, no. Well, no, she's no, on she your was, side. She was on your side. Oh, very good. Um, we will give you a call this week because uh, the producer took you down your number incorrectly. Ah. And we will give you that Ange uh, Poster Cobbler's book. That's right. No, not the new car. <laughs> Ange Poster Cobbler's no, book. You took so that book, apparently. You, yeah, <laughs> you did. You will get a call. So just talking, but just between no, Christy. No, Anthony from FFV has just sent through a text. Give Christy a car. <laughs> a car? Yeah, a new car. Yeah, and Christy, you can have my empty box of tissues, mate. <laughs> but Christy says 35 games, fastest uh, 30 goals. Oh, and 31. The guy's a magician, mm. Fornaroli. This is your city. How, how good? Seriously, Warren. Best ever. Best ever. You know, Best I ever. mean, what, what about you, uh, Vinny Venezuela? You love him too? I do love him. I think he's a great yeah. player. Great, yeah. fantastic. He's not, he's not the best ever in, that I've seen in Australia in the, in the domestic competition. Yeah, Viduka was the best he, He's the best non-project player yeah. I have seen mm. in the A-League. The guy yeah. who's just here to play. It's so good to have him in the A-League. Adrian from Ivanhoe's on the line. G'day, Adrian. Welcome to the final whistle. Good day, guys. How are you? Very well, thanks. Head, what do you think about tonight's game? I thought City never really got out of second gear, but uh, I just wanted to talk about their style. There's a number of times where they get the ball up into the box, and the next thing you know, they've passed it all the way back to Osama Malik mm. at the halfway line. Um, it seems to be a style with JBS that they try to play perfect football, and. Uh, can be a bit frustrating to watch sometimes. Yeah, I think what they're trying to do there, Adrian, what more and more they're experiencing this year, especially when they're bossing possession the way they are in their forward half, teams are sitting back and just really making it difficult for them. Not so much Newcastle tonight, but we saw it against Perth, we saw it against Brisbane, and what they're trying to do by going all the way back to Jakobsen and, and Malik is to try and to draw those players, the opposition, out a bit so they can find some gaps for Fuller Rowley and Brandan and Timmy Cale to, to work in. And, you know, sometimes teams take that and other times they don't. Tonight, I thought that side of the game cost 
Uh, Newcastle Jets a lot. There was so much room for Fornaroli to move in tonight. Uh, Caceres, all their midfield had a heap of the ball. They just weren't clinical enough in their forward third and really tested Jack Duncan enough, I don't think, especially in the second half. But sometimes it does look a bit laborious, mate. But uh, but I think that's what the whole reason behind that is. If they move the ball quickly, it's not so bad. But when they move it slowly and the other team just sits in there and doesn't move, it just sometimes can look a bit of an eyesore. Thanks for your call there, Adrian. Mate, congratulations. You've picked up a copy of Soccer Rufus and the Big Debut written by Adrian Beck in conjunction with Archie Thompson, mate, with thanks to Football Federation's uh, Community and Business Network. Mate, stay on the line and we'll take your details and get a book to you. Uh, let's go to Tom in Greenvale. G'day, Tom. Welcome to the final whistle. G'day, gents. How are you? Yeah, very well, mate. What do you um, think of tonight? Mark Paduka, best in Australia. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I think you're wrong. I agree. No, well, uh, who, you, think who, you think Warren's wrong? Yeah, Warren's wrong. Yeah, Warren. yeah, no, I agree with you, Tom. Yeah, Warren doesn't know what he's talking Thanks about. Thanks for the feedback, Tom. <laughs> no, definitely not. Sorry. He no? doesn't have the energy that, uh, that Bruno puts in um, for 90 minutes. Okay. He didn't, he didn't have the energy. So I watched him at Summer Street every second week, and he didn't have the energy that... So, oh, so you're, Tom, saying, you're saying you're, Bruno's better than Mark Viduca? Bruno is better than Mark Viduca. Oh, no, I disagree. So you're either, wrong, Carlos. No, no I, I disagree with Tom. Can you take Tom? the criticism hey, listen, as magnanimously I, I, I as I respect I Tom because he's got an opinion. He's rung up and the whole of Melbourne is listening to him yep. right now. And yep. I respect and that. Thing you do but is... I, I just disagree with it. That's all. Yep. There you go. Hey, um, is that all you wanted to uh, contribute tonight, Tom? Yeah, look, I, I think we're just missing uh, Bratton tonight and... Uh, also, our number nine, when he comes back from his ear operation, I think we'll, uh, we'll be right on touch. Yeah, I agree. Hey, Tom, stay on the line because you've also picked up a book, Soccer Rufus and the Big Debut. Uh, Adrian Beck wrote that in conjunction with Archie Thompson with thanks to Community and Business from the Football Federation of Victoria. Mate, stay on the line. Thanks for that. Um, it's 22 minutes to 11. Come on. Warren's Football Tax Audit. With thanks to Tax Talk, we love to talk tax. Give them a call, 1300 366 639. Dom and the team there will look after your tax returns and even advise you on uh, the best financial policy that you can go with, 1300 366 639. Two parts to my little segment tonight. The power of the Tax Talk audit meant the referees have listened because I don't know whether you noticed in the first <laughs> half tonight, the referee was policing. The location of throw-ins? He, he, I did he was. I did notice. He was. I did. He was policing the location of throw-ins. <laughs> I so didn't the notice tax it. talk. I didn't notice it. Warren's yeah, we, tax we. talk audit is being it's <laughs> permeated to the referee's inner sanctum. You watch out for that over the weekend, and you can't say that's not directly related. I say it last week, mm. and it happens to, this week. That's the first part of my audit. The second part of the audit might seem strange, but I'm auditing Melbourne Victory tonight. <laughs> what? I'm auditing How? Melbourne Victory. I'll tell you why. It's an indictment upon them that they could not get the best out of Andrew Naboo. He goes to another club, gets opportunity, and shows that he's got pace, power, Dexterity. Looks He's fit. scoring goals. He looks fit. Three years after he left Melbourne Victory, do you know lack of opportunity, Carlos? Do you know what he's gone through in the last couple of years? He had a horrible time in Malaysia last year. He lost his way after Melbourne Victory. The guy actually looked like he was on the scrap heap. 
He, he's gone three years later. How can you blame Melbourne Victory I'm, when a player three I'm, years later finds his mojo again? I'm ordering that Melbourne is Victory. I audit you. I'm ordering, ordering, order, order, <laughs> ordering you. Yeah, auditing you. Yes, no, of course fine, I'm auditing you. It's all about opportunity, Carlos. The, the A-League should be grateful to, for Melbourne Victory for developing the guy the way they did. Fair enough. No, hey, boys, no need for comment here. <laughs> Sorry. 7,745 was the crowd figure tonight. Another thing. Can he interrupt? No comment. Can he interrupt the audit? Well, oh, you're still going. <laughs> are you still going? Because well, it, no, my uh, last bit. Are you auditing I, my I'm interruption? Gonna, I'm going to say this now. You've given the crowd figure. I'm going to audit Melbourne City fans. <laughs> Go on. And I'll tell you why I'm going to audit them. There's no excuse. It's the best place to go and watch football, the best football team in the city, the best collection of players perhaps ever put on one park in one city at one time. You're kidding. Ever. <laughs> keep, keep going. Yeah, it's okay. a great atmosphere. Yep. There's really passionate fans. All we need is another two and a half to 3,000 genuinely passionate fans dressed in white and sky blue, and we've got a club and we're rolling. So get out there and start. Supporting. Jeez, that's an expensive audit. Yeah. It's an expensive audit. Well done, Warren, with thanks to Tax Talk. It's uh, 19 minutes to 11. I know you're going to dig this. Red alert. Red alert. Let's go. Carlos's Young Gun. Yes, with thanks to the Northern Football Academy at St. Monica's College in Epping. It starts in 2017 and it's open for enrolments right now. If you're a young gun in year 10 or 11 or 12, Give them a call, 9409-8800. Got fantastic facilities and a great program out there in Epping. Carlos. Is there an Argentinian subject there? Because Fernando Brandan, I know he's not a young gun, but he's 26 (laughs) years old. He plays young. Brilliant again tonight. Dynamite on the ball, so combative. So I say this every week. Uh, he um, he contributed to Nigel Bogard's uh, ACL, I think, that he's got at the moment. But he's just so important to that team. Well, it's pretty close. I think he, he went over with his uh, with his knee, and uh, it didn't look good at all. So um, okay. you're looking at me like I... <laughs> oh, no, I, 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 did you, did yeah, you well, hear that it, it was an ACL? No, it looked like it was right. an ACL. Okay. So You had to go I at me. I don't think his family is actually listening right now <laughs> oh, no, no. in Newcastle. Oh, that's Okay, but no. uh, but it looked like it was an ACL. Yeah, it looked it looked like it definitely. It, knee absolutely, the way he was holding onto it, I'm hoping it's not. But anyway, he um he he was terrific for them. He's terrific for Bruno Fornaroli, and uh, and so far he's been a real success story for Melbourne City this year. He's my young gun, and uh, he'll do well uh, doing uh, Year Twelve. Yeah. At uh, St. Monica's next year. He's a middle-aged young gun, but that's, uh, that's a good call, uh, Carlos Alberto Diego. Let's take a break now because we're coming back with uh, Milos Degenek right here on the Four Diego's Final Whistle on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of football. Argentina's biggest and best-supported club, Boca Juniors, were founded in 1905 by an Irishman named Patrick McCarthy and a group of Italian immigrants. The founding members, unable to decide what colours to play in, chose to adopt the national colours of the next ship to sail up the River Plate. The boat was Swedish, hence Bocker's strip of blue and yellow. This has been a useless trivia moment by the Four Diegos. On 11.16 SEN, the Four Diegos. Thanks for joining us on the final whistle on a night where Melbourne City defeated Newcastle Jets 2-1. Fornaroli scored twice in the 14th and the 27th minute. Naboo scored in the 36th minute at Amy Park in front of an official crowd of 7,745. Hey, let's put that game aside for the moment because there's a big game happening in Bangkok 
on Tuesday, the 15th of November, this coming Tuesday. The Socceroos take on Thailand. 11pm is the kickoff, our time, and it's our great pleasure we're going deep into Ange Postacoglu's <laughs> camp. Uh, let's talk to Milos Degenek. G'day, Milos, and welcome to the Four Diegos. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure, mate. Rodrigo Rodriguez here. Vinny Venezuela's here as well. Warren Diego is here and Carlos Alberto Diego. Hey, hey, Milos, I've been telling people that you're taking us right into the camp. Tell us a little bit about the camp and how, how's it looking. And uh, I think I just uh, had a look at one of our many screens here and saw all the uh, water on the pitch. Is, are you a bit waterlogged? <laughs> yeah, yesterday it kind of rained the whole day and um, we ended up training in uh, in puddles and <laughs> we should have all bought our snorkels and everything. We, we should have gone for a swim, but um, yeah, it was it was it was interesting yesterday. It um, kind of kind of had fun. All the boys were little kids again, having to kick around, wet, <laughs> and it's it's a great atmosphere. Everyone, everyone, thank God, everyone's healthy and everyone's enjoying it. But um, yeah, today was a bit dry, and today we could have trained normally and had a had a good good session. And um, yeah, we're we're kind of all excited and and happy and motivated. Milos, I. Uh, Vinny Venezuela here. So given that it, it is a little bit wet, is, uh, has Ange going to go the long ball? <laughs> no, no, there's nothing nothing to do with the long ball. We're sticking to our system and our, uh, and our game. We're just playing the short football. We're playing football, no long balls, none of that English style, none of that. No, Milos, that means that uh, Ange would have won the wet T-shirt competition again, <laughs> but this time it was rain and not sweat. So that's a, that's a positive thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, this is the first rotation in these qualifiers where we haven't had to play two games in the space of, you know, five to six days. And this is the first time Ange has talked about having the group of players in camp for nine days leading up to to the game. Is there already a sense of the difference and the benefit that makes for the whole squad in terms of preparing for this game and I suppose ensuring that you deliver your best performance on Tuesday night our time. Um, well, well, it's it's a good it's a good thing for us that we don't have to play and then the short turnaround and play again because we're obviously getting nine days of training in and we get to work on things that aren't so good and work on things that are good to improve them a lot more and I think it's it's a massive thing for us because normally you don't get this normally you you get in you play after three days you fly out and you play again in two or three days and it's all hectic now it's all settled and relaxed and we're working in training on, on things that we, we, we don't have normally time to work on and it gives us a lot of time to think about things and improve and then see different situations that we get in a game and, and it's, it's, a, it's a massive thing and I think well I hope anyway that on Tuesday night we'll, we'll do our best and then have a great game. Milos, it's Carlos. Uh, of course Thailand's on the bottom of the, of, the, of the ladder of the group of the table yeah. and uh, and they haven't got any points, but uh, they're playing at home. And, you know, I still think back to 2007 in the Asian Cup where we had trouble beating them in, in the competition that was over there with, in a team that had the likes of Bresciano, it had uh, Kuehl in it, it had Viduka, and they still made it really difficult for us there. Does Ange spend any time at all talking to you about complacency or does he just expect through your professionalism that that's not something you, that, that this, this squad's going to have uh, as a problem? No, I don't. I don't think we're complacent at all. I think everyone just so professional. Everyone just knows their job. Um, no one underestimates anyone. It's football. It's the balls around. The ball rolls, and anything can happen. Doesn't matter who you play against. Um, no one's really complacent. Everyone's just professional. Everyone's playing a good club. And 
you have to be a professional to, to get to this level to play for the Socceroos, obviously. Um, and I think it's, it's just it would just be a waste of time talking about not being complacent and everything. And the boss isn't big on that. He's just big on professionalism and knowing what to do and sticking to the things that we need to do. And it's working well for us. And yeah, I can't really tell you much more than that. Milos, Vinny again. No Tommy Urich. Super team stayed back home. We're, we're not prongless, but our, how are our prongs going up there? How, how are they training? Who's going to score for us? Hey, anyone can score, obviously. Um, it doesn't have to be a striker. It could be a centre-back, could be a left-back, right-back, midfielder. But um, It could be you. Obviously, yeah, it could be me, obviously. <laughs> Hopefully, if I play, I score as well. But um, no, I'll be happy with a good game and a win for the team. Um, yeah, I think up was, up was good. I think Jamie McLaren started off well in the A-League and Anything can happen, really. Um, I'm not the boss. You'd have to ask him who's going to score, who's going to play, who's going to do the job. But um, I think all the boys are pulling, pulling in the same direction. Everyone's doing really well. So we'll see on game day who gets the nod. Now, Milos, we know that there was a chance that this game was going to be moved from Thailand because of the death of the king. I'm wondering if the if the atmosphere in the in the country and and obviously where you're staying is there a is it palpable around the you know the morning that the country's going through which is a whole year is there a sense of that in in you know moving yeah, around we, the city and that sort of thing yeah we we haven't moved a lot we're practically in the bus from hotel to training but you kind of see all the people are wearing black and you don't really hear music no not many people are laughing and enjoying and dancing there's, there's a little station somewhere around near the hotel where everyone's every night lighting candles and a lot of people gathering and pretty much every photo and every everything that, that, that that's like digital and things are there's always photos from the king and quotes in their language and things like that on screens and he's big here obviously he was here for seven years in charge obviously the king and I think they got the right to mourn and I respect that and I think it's the right thing to do in, in any country, not just this one. Milos, it's Carlos again. Uh, it's it's really clear that you're a versatile footballer. You can play anywhere across the back four. And I think, you know, I've known Ange for a while. He loves you. I can just tell he loves you. He loves the fact that he can use you in any position. You're only 22 years of years of age. He brings you in any opportunity he can in, into the squad. Does he talk to you much about what he would expect from you? Or, again, does he just throw you in there amongst everyone and just plays you when he thinks it's right but doesn't really discuss much with you? No, the boss doesn't really discuss much with me, obviously. Um, I know what I'm here to do. I know my job wherever I get played, whether it's centre-back, right-back, midfield, left-back, it doesn't really matter. I know what's expected of me. Obviously, during training and during the games, I'd hear it from the sideline, what I'm expected to do and good things and bad things, and that's obviously always helping. But um, I haven't really had the chance or don't think many have had the chance to sit down with the boss and have a talk, and I think that's a good thing. And Obviously, when you're here, you know what you're here to do, and you have to be in the right state of mind to do your, your job, obviously, right for your country. Milos, I love your poise and, and your, your focus in this interview, but do you get excited <laughs> that you're a, actually a Socceroo? Like, is it something that's still like you have to think, say out loud and think, geez, I'm a Socceroo man, I made it. Does it still sort of yeah. pump uh, you up? I haven't, I haven't got to the point where I've said I've made it, obviously, because I haven't made it. Nothing. I'm only 22 my career. Starting. No, um, I mean, mate, you're a soccer though. Yeah, yeah, I know. I get you. I get you. I know what you mean. 
Um, when I say it sometimes out loud in front of the mirror when I'm looking at myself, it feels kind of good. That's good. good. But um, but I don't brag on about it. It's obviously something I'm really proud of and some things I'm really proud of and, and really happy to be part of. I sort of keep them to myself. don't really want anyone to spoil that for me. Now, Milos, um, oh, sorry, Milos, you, you actually were quite young and you had to make the decision between Serbia and playing for Australia because yeah. you played a, a few of the games uh, in the under-19s, I believe. Um, yeah. You're another one of this current generation that has selected Australia over, you know, the, the country of your parents. Uh, yeah. Can you tell us quickly what what decision that was? What sort of how difficult that decision was for you back then? Oh, it was. It wasn't that difficult, really. I I kind of grew up in Australia. I lived here eleven years. The the country gave my parents an opportunity to, to settle down, live a normal normal life, and put bread on the table for me and my brother. Um, there wasn't much thinking to do, obviously, and I love the country, and I'm I'm actually really happy I, I could be here and play for the Socceroos. And obviously, I'd like to give at least a little piece of, of, of that all what Australia has given to me through football back to the country, obviously, with success. And I didn't really have to think much. It was just uh, as soon as I got a call, it was just straight away, yes, no, no thoughts, nothing to think about. Well, Milos, we're pleased that you are playing for the Socceroos. As you said, you're at the start of your Socceroos career, but uh, you know we see a long future for you and, uh, and long may it continue. So thanks for your time. Say hi to the boys Thank for you. us and uh, good luck on uh, Tuesday Thank night you. against Thailand. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. You Thank too. You. There's um, Milos Degenek. Uh, what a star. Young, young star. He's a young gun. Have a few laughs. Look at himself yeah. in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> Remind himself. He's I'm, a stri- I'm glad he does that because <laughs> yeah. that's what I would do. Well, I do too. Yeah. yeah. Has he got a selfie? You know? <laughs> anyway, fantastic. Uh, looking forward to the game against Thailand uh, on the 15th of November. Hey, on a night where Melbourne City defeated Newcastle Jets, we're coming back for a second hour here on the Four Diego's final whistle. Give us a call, 9429-1116. This is the Four Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Dragged, bagged, slagged, lost your rag, absolutely shagged, you've not had a happy game? Let's take an early shower with Rodrigo Rodriguez. Yes, welcome to the final whistle here in 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. It is taking an early shower with me, and it's the Q&A tonight uh, on a night where Melbourne City defeated Newcastle Jets 2-1, as you heard from Ed Wyatt, Fornaroli in the 14th and 27th minute. A couple of classic goals, especially the second one. Best uh, ever. Andrew Naboot scored in the uh, 36th minute. At Amy Park tonight on a Thursday night, Remembrance Round kicked it off with a, a beautiful last post and... Mm. Um, a national anthem. It was fantastic in front of a crowd of 7,745 people. So there you go. Uh, we talked in the first hour. We talked about the game and what we assessed. Give us a call tonight. It's uh, your show, 9429-1116. We'd love to hear from you. Got one more book with thanks to Anthony Grimer from Football Federation's Community and Business Network, a soccer, soccer Rufus and the Big Debut, written by Adrian Beck in conjunction with Archie What Tom. did Archie contribute to the book? Not sure. The pictures? It may have been a story of a young Archie just running around in Gippy uh, in Bathurst. I think he was, you know, he was playing junior football in Bathurst. Could have been just a, just a reflection of his story when he was a young kid. Okay. You know, are you going to bag that? No, no, I haven't seen the book. Uh, well, okay. Well, no, but I'm just wondering. Okay. Nine four nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Got one more book to give away, uh, and 
you know, it is a, it is a good book. But um, yeah, love to hear from you. What nine four two nine eleven sixteen? A constant uh, since the start of the season. Even though victory has it, sorry, victory city has played some really good football in the past, and they won comfortably tonight. They just did what they had to do, as one caller in the first hour said. Uh, but still, there's that ongoing lingering question marks over John Van Ship that people are ringing up and talking about, and uh, and a couple of uh, SMSs that come through saying, "Oh, it's his last year anyway. He's already declared he's his last year." But our last chat with John Van Ship was only right. a couple of weeks ago, mm. and, clear. He, and he actually, when we raised that with him, he said, "No, that was something I said a while ago. Things change all the time." So it sounded to us, or it sounded to me in that interview, that he certainly is rethinking that. So. This thing about him announcing this being his last year is not guaranteed uh, to our little friends out there uh, because, uh, not little friends, any all our friends out there. <laughs> the, the Fernando Brandans of the world, <laughs> right. is that what you mean, Carlos? Yep. And uh, apparently he's uh, he's not made a final decision about that. So There you go. 942-911-16, give us a call, the Fornaroli Express hotline tonight. Like Nathan in Mornington wants to have a chat about the game. G'day, Nathan, and welcome to the final whistle. Hello. G'day, Nathan. What did you think about the game tonight? Um, I thought we played all right. I was hoping we could have got a bit more goals in. So who, who is your favourite player at Melbourne City? Bruno Fornaroli, definitely. What, yep. what, what did you think about his goal tonight? Just tell us in your own words what you thought about the second goal. I thought both of them were just nice goals. And what about the second one? That was a nice one. <laughs> there you go. That was a nice Nathan, one. do you play football yourself? Yeah. And what position do you play? Um, defense. You're a defender, so you model yourself on what? Jake Jacobson, uh, Malik, Chapman, <laughs> Musket, Musket, Frenich. <laughs> what? Ch- give us a picture of the sort of footballer you are, Nathan. Maybe Frenich. Okay, oh, so you're a bit nice. of a marauding forward who doesn't like to defend much. <laughs> but maraud, yeah. Nathan. Tell me this, right? If you had to choose between, I don't know, meeting. Uh, Bruno Fornaroli for a coffee, not that you should be drinking coffee at your age, <laughs> or um, Super Tim for a milkshake, let's say. Who would you pre- prefer, Who would you pick? Fornaroli, definitely. Okay. Uh, nice, interesting. Because you're really... Is just... he going to school tomorrow? You can ask him. Nathan, you going to school tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Good man. Good. You so know what, what school do you go to, Nathan? Sorry? What school do you go to? St. McCartan. Primary school? Yep. Yeah. Well, you know what, Nathan? Because you've called, because it's you've stayed up on a school night this late, I'm going to make it worth your while. Congratulations. With thanks to Football Federation Victoria's Community and Business Network, you have just won the book Soccer Rufus and the Big Debut. It was written by Adrian Beck in conjunction with Archie Thompson. So congratulations. And there's a chapter on Bruno Fornaroli in it too. <laughs> well, there will be now that, now that you've got it. But, um, hey, mate, stay on the line because we'll get all your details and make sure you get that book. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Oh, our pleasure, mate. Thank you. And also thanks to Anthony Grimer from FFE. If you uh, want to get involved in community and business, sign your club or your business on as a member today for 2017. It's a fantastic thing. They have wonderful um, lunches uh, for every year. And this year was just uh, Mm. sensational. Um, And it's a really good way to connect with all the other key stakeholders in the game. Communityandbusiness.com.au. Hey, uh, good good to hear the, the, kid, the kids. I cool think it was tonight. a bit late, really. He was. He sounded a bit tired. Do you, do you get put in detention in primary school because the kids are a bit late? 
and uh, the teachers might oh. be listening right now, and they're oh. saying, Nathan, I know oh, you. No, that a, would be fairly yeah. low of that teacher if he oh, was uh, leaving. I well, mean, uh, you yeah. might have done something like that in your time, but <laughs> modern teachers don't do anything like that, Carlos. <laughs> okay. Let's go, let's go through some of the uh, points tonight. Just, just off it's the your t- Q&A, isn't it? Well, it, it kind of is. But it is. Um, well, you know, just, just quickly off your uh, Bruno Fornaroli, mm. best ever, John Markovsky, then yeah. a younger Simon Colosimo, Rod from Kingsville. And that's not too far. Johnny Markovsky is a 15-year-old coming on, burst onto the scene, was fantastic. And uh, yeah, all, all throughout his career in the NSL, John Markovsky was fantastic. But Simon Colosimo, when he was at Carlton, remember Simon, uh. they play, in the days of the sweeper system, they'd stick him at sweeper as a 19-year-old. And how many goals did he score from taking the ball from his own half? He was scoring Maradona-type goals, uh, dribbling people from his own half and, and slotting them away. He would have scored three or four in, in the first year at Carlton. I still remember him. He was of the rat pack of Bresciano, Grella and Colosimo. I thought Bresciano, oh, sorry, uh, Colosimo at that time was probably the better of each of all of them. I still blame Andy Cole. Of course, in Manchester United play. Yeah, took him down and injured him. And that certainly was an ACL. If you've just joined us. <laughs> that's right. Um, if you've just joined us, uh, Warren in the first hour said that uh, Bruno Fornaroli was the greatest ever A-League player, in, and including the NSL. Yep. Um, Branko Buljevic here, Emin yes. Doncaster. Let's go back a few years and acknowledge the great Branko Buljevic. Uh, that's Emin Doncaster. And let me just throw in a few others there. Um, uh, Mirko Buljevic was fantastic. Mendo Rostovsky was fantastic. Um, you know, you get some of the fantastic South Melbourne players. And you've met Ulysses Kokolos oh, boys. Yes, yes. There were some fantastic uh, talisman in uh, in the league in those days, and they were just terrific players. And and I reckon players, if you've stuck them into the um, the A League today, they'd thrive. You, you know, even, I even can the only comment. Ginny Rooney, Ginny Rooney, Rooney would be uh, you know your your Neil Kilkenny on steroids. I can only comment on what I've seen. From the time of going to watch Newcastle KB United yes. in the old NSL. And that's the, that was with my yep. dad when I was about eight or nine. But since I, then... I know I, you're going to say. Who, who are you going to say? No, no. I'm going to say that... Kitty Bowden? Yeah, he was good. He was, a, he was a star. He was, but I'm still going to say Bruno Fornaroli for me. Just another one off the text message. I know we're talking about the A-League NSL, but at least Viduka went on to bigger things in Europe, whilst Fornaroli couldn't get a game in the Greek Super League. Fornaroli, he has... He it's has basically, flourished. yeah, he's flourished here. Uh, uh, Melbourne City, uh, Latrobe training, playing football at Amy Park has absolutely opened up. You talk about the Pandora's box for him. It's his Pandora's career has, uh, has just flowed. Because if you look at his record, he didn't score a lot of goals when he was in Italy. He didn't score a lot. Of, he was always a good professional, but he wasn't as prolific as he is as he has been in the last two years here in uh, Australia. Absolutely. Hey, let's get on to uh, some, of the, some of the Q&A questions. What about uh, no Bratton tonight? Do you think that had an impact on the way Melbourne City played? It has to. I mean, I mean, quite simply, it has to. I mean, if he's the, the guy who's really been given the opportunity to run the show in, replace, in, in replacement to Aaron Moy, I think it has to make a difference. Although I thought Caceres had the opportunity. I think he played quite well tonight. The, the the issue with the issue with Melbourne City and people complain about City having all the ball, creating great chances, scoring goals, and then conceding. What they're set up to do, and Neil Kilkenny sort of said this in the aftermatch. I think it was Zappers at the end there. Uh, they're set up to possess the ball, which means it's an offensive type of game. So you look through their back four. You've got 
Franich, who's built to go forward. You've got Malik, who floated into midfield. The number of times he floated into midfield and made it a back three was unbelievable. Musket is a guy that pushes up the line. So Jacobson's the only one, he's the only stay at home centre half. Really, and so if is that he, why he's so angry? <laughs> maybe, maybe no he's, company. He's, he's, he's the only one who doesn't push in the midfield and mm. look for the ball. And so what happens is when they've got the ball and they've got it down the field, and it's turned over through good pressure from say the Jets or in Perth's case, so they did it often, and, the, and Brisbane did it a few times last week too. The, the the fact that they turn over and everyone's sort of pushing forward, that's why there's gaps everywhere. And Malik is a player who I think. He's, I, th- I think Malik's a really good player, but I think that they they either want him to play with the ball and they want him to defend at the same time. And I think that's a bit confusing for him. And uh, was it Coco? Coco, the um, the centre forward, the Finnish yeah, centre forward, looked, good. looked very good. But he was given a lot of space because of the way Melbourne City play. And there's always chances against Melbourne City if you turn over the ball in certain situations for them. The whistle went there, Carlos. But uh, good assessment there. Um, what did you make of Tim Cale's performance tonight? Uh, Vinny, we'll start with you. Look, uh, it started off really well, and uh, I thought Franich's service... I was excited about Franich because he was making the runs we know Franich can make, but he was whipping the ball low and hard, and it's kind of like he has that understanding with Super Tim that I haven't really seen at City hitherto. So, Well, Vinny, you remember we were at the World Cup against Chile? Yep. And Franich went off injured, but for... You know, in that in that first portion of the game, he he and um, Timmy had a great understanding mm. with those balls whipped across. So that's a when when Franich True. actually uh, you know gets some real match fitness yep. in his legs, and I think that'll be a real avenue, and that'll bring Timmy more into the game. I think. And he was he seemed to be more at the pointy end when he needed to be tonight. Yep, effervescent, ever present. <laughs> Tim is going okay. He's going okay. I think. I think he's a work in progress. It would be a problem for that club if Fornaroli's goals dry up, because the way Timmy not likely Carlos. No, Timmy. Well, they they can dry up over. You know, it's not yeah. like he's going to be scoring the goal again for the rest of his it's life. It's happened so far, hasn't it? Well, okay, but it's got, last week he didn't, and they you know, and they lost the game. I mean, you know, they could lose important we didn't games. Have a shot on target last week. Well, I mean, that's a problem, isn't it? They stopped him from playing. Yeah, so we there turned are, that around. And the teams are getting better and better tactically to sort this out. Yep. Newcastle defensively were awful tonight. Oh, were they? Yeah, they were awful tonight defensively. I'm talking about a collective defence across the park, uh, narrowing the lines, squeezing the spaces where these players can't go and get the ball. Um, they were awful tonight. But they troubled um, City on the turnover and when they got the ball up forward quickly. Because that's when they got the numbers there and they, they created a few chances. But, um, look, it'll be interesting to see if, if Fauna Riley goes for a little bit of a, uh, a a drought and Timmy's not playing at the pointy end, it'll be interesting to see what happens. There you go. Thank you very much. You beat the whistle there, Carlos. Well done, boys. Uh, that's the first time we've ever done that. <laughs> um, so, obviously, you guys have mentioned that it's good to have Franjic back. Yes. Um, that was one actually one of my questions. Oh. But But how important... Is he? I know you mentioned that you know the good crosses into into Timmy Kale and uh, but tonight tonight he he showed that when he gets fit he has really got some class um, in that position. He, indeed he does. And look, I think Australia wants him to get fit because he's sort of he may well be our right back of choice. Yeah, he, he uh, and since he's been at City, he hasn't played his best football. Mm. 
Um, coming you know, back from injury, yeah, yeah. Or it's coming from from Russia it was a bad, is a little bit a bit of a bad experience for him. Hasn't played his best football and in and out because of injury, like you said, Rodrigo. Um, he played tonight as a bloke who feels. And by the way, he's had that was it the heart, heart problem? Head, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a and really serious problem. So yeah, he's probably sat down thinking, you know, my career could have been over, and maybe he's sort of now thinking, you know, it could be over any time. So it's, he played tonight like. It was a start of a new career for him. I just felt in that first 20 minutes or so, he was terrific. Uh, I didn't expect him to have that intensity for the full game, but he was terrific for, it, that, for that first 20. So it gives us a snapshot of, uh, of what he's going to be it like. It really was a frantic of old, the one yeah. that we're used to seeing mm. at Raw as well. Mm. Very pleased about that. Hey, Warren, you were there tonight. Um, yep, look, and, and I was. I, and I don't, you know, whenever Melbourne City's on, we talk about the crowd. Um, <laughs> and we do. Because, Just stir me up pretty no, much. No, no, well, I'm, I'm being quite serious for a here. change. 7,745 people. Was it because it was Thursday night? And, and what do you think about Thursday night uh, football? Oh, well, I mean, I think th- Thursday night football through the Christmas New Year period is a really good idea. Through that, you know, December, January period where people are definitely on holidays. I think a Thursday night in the third week of November sort of stuck there as a one-off. It's hard to get a sense as to why it happened. And I think if you were going to put a Thursday night game you'd probably put one of the bigger drawing clubs on to be able to get that, or you'd you'd put a high-drawing game on. Newcastle isn't going to be the highest-drawing game. But still, I mean, I audited the crowd. I mean... You did. I probably felt like I could have counted yeah, most of them in the first half. <laughs> Just got VCE exams to, on as well. You're probably, probably not a good time to put, put a game on. But tomorrow morning... You know, the players are going to go into the club for their recovery. They're going to sit down and review the game. They're going to be happy with themselves because they've got the three points and, and all that sort of stuff. The marketing team's going to be also sitting down and saying, what the hell do we have to do to get a decent crowd? We've got Timmy now. We've got Fauna Riley on fire. According to Warren, this is what they'll be saying tomorrow. According to Warren, he's the best player who's ever graced the fields in Australia. And we've got Timmy, who's a legend. We've got Brandan, who's fantastic. We've got Kilkenny. We've, got, you know, we've, we've sorted out the linesmen. They're, they're making the throw-ins. Absolutely. It's I mean, all going right. Really, it, you know, what does City have to do, Warren? Because they've had they've had a huge question, David Villa they've had David Villa come and that failed okay and, but even if he stayed for ten games I don't think that the crowd would have significantly changed uh, they're starting to win games they look like a, a team that might win an FFA Cup and they've, a Premiership tomorrow morning they, they're going to be completely befuddled about what they need to See, do sorry, before you answer that can I just put another thing when Villa was in town did they get more theatre goers as well. Because I feel that there aren't any, any theatre goers well, there either. Well, there was some... Last week, there was definitely the Tim Cale effect in Brisbane. That maybe the Tim Cale effect doesn't come out on a Thursday night. <laughs> I'll attempt to answer these questions, Carlos, even though your questioning is insincere. No, no, I no, mean, no, it's I, insincere. I'm talking... In, people talk about the players and the coach. I'm talking about the poor marketing he, team. He used the word befuddled. I think yeah. you, know, you get some props no, because but of that. There's a, there's a common line of questioning that comes up every time a City player game. And the questioning of the crowd and everything, it's insincere. I get it from Vinny because he's got an allegiance to the other team. I'm just but a Carlos conduit. has got an allegiance to I, no one. I am, no, I'm a conduit to our listeners. We're getting... Our listeners want to know some answers Definitely. about this. We, I've had about 10 text yes. messages that I've got access to, yep. Warren, about the crowd and okay. from concerned Melbourne City fans. I'll yeah, read, there's I'll read no one of them out. concern listen, needed. Listen, <laughs> I hear your point about the crowds, but if the A-League starts going down the AFL path of Thursday night games, don't expect huge crowds on what 
is basically a midweek game. That's Mad Dog Robbo. What do you think of the crowd figure? I still think after our start to the season, our signings, a nice night, and our membership, 10,000 is still low. Mm. I think Sunday works best for us. Yeah, see, I've said this for quite some time, and I maintain it, that at the moment, the fixturing is done around Foxtel and when the so-called big games are being played. So they get played on the Saturday nights and then the rest gets spread out throughout. There's a lack of continuity in the times that teams play. They're all over the shop from Friday nights through to Sunday afternoons and Sunday nights. And clubs don't have a lot of control. If you go and talk to any marketing team that's befuddled or not befuddled, Carlos, they will tell you that to draw crowds, you need some continuity around time slot, location, and things like that. Now, Melbourne City don't get any of those things. I'm telling you. And I was they're, the they're, only one. They're not one... looked after? No. They're not looked no, after? Yoshi not... picked you as their favourite team. <laughs> what John, I'm saying. John see, Van Skip actually this said is he why... prefers uh, you know, uniformity in terms of yeah. time that they play. He actually said and, that this and, week. So, so when, is, goes, so this when is, is why. When is the best time then for City? This you... is insincere. I'm asking you the question. Sunday I... afternoons. Sunday afternoons. That three o'clock time slot. That's graveyard shift. That's graveyard. Sunday afternoon, three o'clock. It's continuity of time slot, Carlos. No, we're going to have to stop it there, Warren. Of uh, course. It is yeah, the... you just let him roll on over the whistle and stop me right on the clock. Oh, look, we just have to take a break, Warren. Sorry for interrupting. This is the Fort Diego's final whistle on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of football. On becoming owner-manager of Hereford United in 1997, Graham Turner said... The first thing I'll do is negotiate a pay rise, give myself a 10-year contract, and then sack myself. This has been a profound coaching moment by the four Diegos. On 11.16 SEN, the four Diegos. Thanks for your company tonight. Really appreciate it. Melbourne City defeated Newcastle Jets 2-1 tonight. Fornaroli scored in the 14th and the 27th minute. Andrew Naboo scored for Newcastle Jets. Good to see Andrew Naboo up and firing again, looking fit. Back, at, back in his hometown, uh, playing for Newcastle Jets. At Amy Park, crowd, 7,745. Remembrance round here in the A-League. Uh, taking your calls tonight, 94291116, with thanks to Tax Talk, Best on Plumbing, and the Northern Football Academy at St Monica's College in Epping. Um, we've got, got some Twitter stuff yes. going on mm. as well. Um, Rodrigo, we've got a couple here. Alex Somas, uh, he, he tweet, tweeted it at Fort Diego's. Thoughts on Thursday Night Football? Great for TV viewers, but difficult for crowds to grow. And then uh, Liam Reby, uh, he also tweeted, and he said, City fan took three mates tonight to their first ever A-League game, all loved it, and said, all can't wait to go watch City again. That's yep. what you love. Good That's stuff. That's what you love. If you want to check out the Diegos on Twitter, at 4Diegos, uh, check us out on Twitter. Hey, 94291116. We actually did address the crowds just before the break and uh, you know you can feel the momentum building just off the text message here in the city and then we lose and lose all that momentum I've been a supporter since day one and the only thing that has been consistent is the inconsistency I think that in early days that could have affected uh, the hype around the club because I think people were looking for an alternative to victory but when they continuously didn't deliver I think that's what happens Max in North Fitzroy Carlos chill it chill a bit <laughs> old man isn't it enough to know you are right 
Though I'd like to have a bit more than that. <laughs> There's only one thing to pump up crowds for Melbourne City now. They need to win the cup. It's not fair, yep. but it's true. Mad Dog Robbo uh, doing some good stuff off the text message tonight. Mad Dog, thanks for that. 0433981116. Send us a text message tonight. Hey, let's go to Andrew in East Brighton. Wants to talk about the time slots. G'day, Andrew. Welcome to the final whistle. Hey, guys. How's it going? Yeah, very well. Yeah, good. So I just caught a bit of a conversation, and it's probably fairly topical for me. So um, I've been an EPL fan since uh, around 1996. Uh, very staunch, uh, staunch supporter. Watch every week. And in terms of A-League, um, I used to go to the old NSL as a kid. Used to go to South Melbourne, South Melbourne matches. Uh, in terms of A-League, um, never seriously considered going to that many matches or throwing all my weight behind a team uh, until my seven-year-old boy, uh, who, who is completely obsessed with sport, <laughs> uh, has been very interested because last year we managed to go to three um, Melbourne City matches. So together with, the, um, t- together with him pledging his allegiance to City as a result and the obvious Tim Cahill factor... Uh, I actually went at the start of the season to look at buying a membership in terms of being able to take him to as many matches as possible. And I'm pretty sure there was only one um, 5.30 game, which I think is coming up in a couple of weeks against Wellington. Other than that, there are actually no suitable time slots for you know someone in his age bracket to go and attend... A game. So, Andrew, so, sorry, when you say 5.30, is that a Sunday game? It is a Sunday game. It's 5.30. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that 5.30 in, start into the 7.30 Fox Yeah, I think I, I think why they do that is because they tend to have Wellington playing on a Sunday too, don't they? Is that right? Oh, Wellington because they, play their home games Yeah, home on games on Sunday because yep. they, they're two hours or three hours ahead of us. And that's how two they sort of... Ahead. Yeah, so that's why they sort of shoved them in at the 5.30. But I'm hearing... Um, look, it, it's obviously, Andrew, it's not as not as... Not good if you've got a young son and they've got to go to school the next day and all that sort of stuff. But I'm hearing a lot of good feedback from those Twilight sort of Sunday night games. People are kind of liking those. I like those so, on TV, Carlos. Yeah. I'm not sure. Okay. You know, yeah. the Perth the Perth game's on at seven, which is that five, four, yeah. five time in Perth, I think, is perfect for them. And they've got some ownership around that time slot because of the time difference. I mean, we're never, are we ever going to get big enough that a club's going to, you know, it's a bit... The North Melbourne, they wanted Friday night footy and they played Friday night footy and they had ownership of that and then that changed and that became the biggest night in Aussie rules. I'm not sure whether we're ever going to get a situation where teams own certain time slots, but I think to build crowds for a team, and I think Andrew's right, if Melbourne City, if you could lock in three o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, as much as you naively say graveyard shift, I mean, I'm talking about continuity of when and where it is Okay, And the other thing that I don't get, and I don't get this, in the A-League fixture, no, it's, a, it's actually a draw because there's an even amount of teams and they play each other an, an equal amount of time, so it's not a fixture, it's a draw. They play without continuity home and away, and I don't get that. You know that sense of, you know that every or in previous incarnations of sporting competitions, you knew every second week you get to watch, you get to watch your team at home. 
there are many times where you go away twice or you play at your home twice and then you're away two weeks in a row. And I think that struggles to build continuity, particularly when not everyone has Foxtel. So you lose that link with your team through watching. Andrew, are you still there? No, he's gone. I was just going to ask him what... Oh, no, he's still there. Andrew, are you still there? I'm here. Yeah, I just wanted to know. So when do you think is the best time? Because I'm assuming you're wanting a time slot that's friendly for your son. Yeah, so uh, the games that we did go to last season, we got there early enough to have a good kick before the game, like everything that they do to incorporate families before the game. Out on the pitches on the side. Mm. Oh, it's fantastic. It is absolutely fantastic. And we're AFL fans, uh, and I go every week to to watch my footy team play. Um, But it's just more victory as well. I think there are only... Two non uh, seven pm start time frames for the victory, but like in, you're talking about building crowds. Like if City or, or Victory, as an example, played five, six, seven games anywhere between you know the the two pm to six pm starting time slot, we would go to every single one of them. But when it starts at 7, he doesn't get home till 10 or 10.30. Mm. And it's like, we've we got to wait a few years before he's going to be able to do that. So I just think that, and I understand everything around having Cahill as a marquee player, time slots, broadcasting, how all of that works. But I really believe that a club that tries to embrace the ability to bring families around will get a significant boost in um, in gr- more groups of people and family-based groups coming to matches. All points well made, Andrew. Thanks for that. Obviously, the FFA and the uh, the television networks need to really um, make sure that make sure that all, as many games as possible they've are family-friendly. They've, they've, they've had a, a look at this for a long time now, Rodgers. So, but, but Carlos, can I say, that's the type of intelligent caller that backs his opinion up with really solid facts that blows most of your inconsistent perceptions and misconceptions around all this out of the water. I mean, he's, ba- he's basically saying... I'm going to take you Max make and Fitzroy's child... advice. I'm going to just chill. All you... right, so let's chill while we're speaking to Snapper from Port Phillip Bay. G'day, Snapper. Good evening, James. How are we going? Yeah, very well, thank you. How, how are you feeling tonight? Um, a bit uh, excited. Happy, but then a bit disappointed. Oh, hmm. um, the, the, the first thing I will say, if Melbourne City wants to go to Sunday games, I'd throw away my membership <laughs> because, quite frankly, um, Sunday games are pretty pathetic. It's either a Thursday night, Friday night, or Saturday night. Just take a look at Europe's prime time games and when the big clubs play. And Melbourne City wants to become a big club where you've got to play these prime times. But Snapper, tonight, what about the... Lun- I mean, I know what you said about European games, but with... A lot of due re- due respect. If you look at the Premier League, the lunchtime kickoff on Saturdays or Sundays is the prime time time to play football. It's the number one game. So I do get what you're saying about night games would suit you, but you know there are prime time day slots that clubs really go for in the in the Premier League. Oh, there is, there is. But you got to look at those days. They're, they're played on a Saturday um, and a Saturday daytime. So. That's one thing that the A-League probably needs to come here into Melbourne and say, let's have a, say, a 2.30 or 3 o'clock kickoff in Melbourne. Um, and I think you'll probably find a lot of families will go to that time slot there 
instead of a Sunday, put on a Saturday at 3 o'clock because families will go, and then after the game, they go out for dinner. Um, that's another time slot. But as for tonight's game, 2-0 uh, up, I thought this is going to be an absolute shellacking to Newcastle, um, and then credit to them, they fought, they fought back. But once again, um, look, I, I can't see JVS, um, honestly, um, finishing up, well, lasting out the season. I think the pressure is on him. Tonight's result, City should have won 4-5-6-0 comfortably over Newcastle. But for some reason, when we scored the, the second goal, the players sort of went into their own shells and thought, we've done enough. Let's sit back and let's just play protective football. We were on the back foot when Newcastle scored. And after halftime, I thought, we're going to come out. We're going to put one more through the net. That'll be enough. I'll be happy with 3-1. But in the last 20 minutes, we had all our substitutes come on and we played against 10 men and we could not score. We we, we were defending. We were passing the ball back to, to Bizarnas and giving it to him instead of trying to score goals. Melbourne City, well, I don't know what John Bench keeps doing down there, but our goal difference isn't exactly setting the, the, the world on fire. Our goal difference is only four, um, correct me if I'm wrong, at the moment. So, I mean, we've, we've got to catch up to Sydney FC and... You look at victory, they put six past Wellington and they improved their goal difference. And you look at Perth Glory, they're scoring goals as well. So if I was an LBC supporter, I'd be happy to know that we got the three points in the bag. But that second half, if we could not score against the 10-man Newcastle side, with all due respect to Newcastle, then I'd be very concerned heading next week against the Wanderers and then after that playing Sydney. Um, and then, you know, I, I mean... Yeah, you've you got a, no, a lot of good points there, Snapper, and I think on tonight's performance, you're you're quite uh, you're quite uh, you know uh, you know entitled to, to think that way. Um, they, you know, what concerns me more than tonight with with City when teams were were up for it, the Perth game, the Brisbane game, they'd done their tactical homework on Fauna Riley and how to close their best players down. Those two games worried me about City because they couldn't go, they couldn't deal with super competitive teams who had really done their homework on them. Um, tonight was, you know, I always felt that City was always going to win that game. Yes, you can criticise their lack of uh, industry, not industry, but their lack of, um, you know, uh, aggression and, and wanting to score more. Killer instinct, that's what I'm looking for, um, you know, in that second half. But I always felt they were going to win that game. And so maybe there was a sense of being a bit comfortable but the game against Perth, when it was they were both up against each other and Perth still beat them at home, and then Brisbane, the way they uh, really stifled them, and I don't think they got a shot on goal last week, uh, that, that worries me more than what happened tonight. Yeah, thanks for the call, Snapper, and I hope you're catching stuff out and something out in Port Phillip Bay. And, but, Carlos, I mean, again, I'm going to say, the inconsistencies so, around your argument... So you weren't, con- you weren't concerned with the way they played against Perth or Brisbane? If I was waxing lyrical about Liverpool at this point, you'd say, I don't look at the ladder till Christmas. And yet, the amount of analysis that you're doing of Melbourne City, they're banking the wins. We move on. Yes, But they didn't win some... against Perth. They didn't win against Brisbane. No, but it's... Two teams... That had a go at They them. banked it tonight. They're second on the ladder. And I said that they won comfortably tonight. And I said so that they uh, that tonight, no didn't panic. Conser- tonight didn't concern me. I'm not panicking for City We're either. banking the wins. I'm telling you there is a concern when two teams really had a go at them this year, did their homework on them, they lost both games. 
There you go. Let's uh, let's go to Jack in St Kilda on nine four two nine eleven sixteen. G'day, Jack. Welcome to the final whistle. Yeah, good day, boys. How are you going? Yeah, good hey, mate. Um, I'm a um, you know a victory follower, and, and I go to victory games, but I'm a, a fan of the game more, uh, even though I'm an AFL person. Uh, but I like to go along to victory games. But I think with the, with the fixture that you mentioned, the, the point that you made about continuity is right. Further to that, ever since Gallup's been in control, the whole thing's changed, and it's more more of a, a Sydney-based thing. If you think rugby, rugby union and rugby league, you know the um, the rebels can't get it can't get a hold here because they disappear for four weeks. And I know they travel over to South Africa and, and things like that, but but you never know where they are and, and how regularly they're going to be coming back. Now, in the case of of the, the fixture now, what happens? We've got both Melbourne teams playing at home this weekend. Back before Gallup times, you always had victory one week, City the next. And and if you like the game, we all know that the City are playing great, great football and they're great to go and watch. Well, I'd certainly go and watch some of their games, you know, if you know, on an alternate weekend. But you know, to go to two games in a weekend is a, is a, is a different thing. And I, I reckon for the general supporter. And as someone else has said, the, the changing of times all the time is a big issue. Yeah, no, Jack. Thanks for being, bringing some, you know, some informed opinion and, and understanding of you know fixturing and marketing and all those sort of things in terms of <laughs> what and how the game should be played. I think you're a hundred percent right. I mean, Carlos and Vinny, and we all talk about the theatre goer. I mean, you know, if you like the game. You'd go along and watch a game if there was one in, in town every week. But if there's two, you're probably going to go and, you know, follow the team you're loyal to. So I think that's a really good point. Yeah, look, I agree with you, Jack. I, I'll go see whatever's playing if, I'm, if, I'm, if it's available and I'm available. And just a snapper, me personally, I like the Sunday afternoon game. I like rocking up at Flinders Street, hanging around Fed Square, walking up, sauntering up to Amy Park, watching a game and then getting a couple of ales on the way back and then onto the train. I think that's a perfect... Sunday, but for when me. Victory play on a Sunday afternoon, say at three, and they have in the in the first in the eleven seasons they have played, and they're the biggest pulling crowd, uh, crowd, uh, team uh, of the of the competition. What do, what numbers do they get on a Sunday afternoon at three? But they're, a, I think no. they they would, I dare say, and what you're alluding to is that the crowds might not be as strong. I don't think as the Friday nights and the Saturday nights, but I think they're the marquee team in the city. Okay, so. The other team, whoever it is, has to find a point of difference and has to find a time slot that they can own. But the thing about the Friday nights, it's like the AFL. What they're trying to do with the Friday nights in our football is make that the marquee night. So there's more TV audience, there's more exposure. Would you like City to be exposed, would you like Fauna Riley and Kale to be exposed more on a Friday night to the potential members and the potential supporters out there who are watching. For the big games, yes. yes. For the marquee but, games. But, but, but not but, other than that, have a I simple would say, time I slot. would say a third of the games now, the Melbourne versus Sydney, Melbourne versus Adelaide, Melbourne derbies, there's probably a third of the games now that are important games. And not I, so much for City. I, I don't think it's as easy as you think to, to have that settled time slot for a home game. That's why these oh, marketing no, boffins that you talk about need to get their heads together. Competing influences. Yeah. You know, there's, there's the FFA and then obviously the clubs and then there's obviously the television network and then there's the fans. Yeah. Hey, we need to take a break now and come back with more of the final whistle on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of football. How much do you feel the game? 
Do you feel it like Brazilian commentators do? I love this game. This has been a tribute to Brazilian commentators everywhere. This is the Four Diego's. On eleven sixteen, SEN, the Four Diego's. Loving the final whistle tonight. Thanks for your company on this Thursday night. The remembrance round started tonight, where Melbourne City defeated Newcastle Jets two one. Just in case you've joined us, uh, Bruno Fornaroli, can I say it, scored a brace tonight. <laughs> um, 14 in the 27th minute tonight. His 27th minute goal is just uh, sensational. And Andrew Naboot scored in the 36th minute. Amy Park was the venue. A Thursday night crowd of 7,745. Uh, taking a lot of your calls tonight, a lot of text messages. Just let's quickly go through some of the texts. Uh, boys, City will have, have had four to five Friday night games prime time live on TV. Great exposure. So there you go. Yeah, and I think the uh, the agenda there is to try and expose them to enough people, as many people as possible. And if they watch them on TV, I think the theory, watch them on TV, they do well, their stars are starring and scoring goals, they'll want to make, maybe want to get to games. I hate early games because A-League is a summer season and I hate sitting in 35 yeah. degrees heat in full hot That's sun. That's the problem with the Sunday 3 o'clock too, no, Warren. I... Depends yeah, on side of the grand Carlos. There's a chance that that's a problem, but in all honesty... With global warming going gangbusters, who'd know what you get on a third Sunday afternoon at three o'clock? And I actually don't mind it. It's got plenty of cover. And look, at the moment, one of the great things about going to a city game is you know you can rock up with your family, line up, get tickets, get a good seat in a good environment. And the one thing I will say, no matter what you might say about the crowd figure, fact as far as being there this season, the atmosphere is better. There are more paid up and passionate Melbourne City fans wearing sky blue and white or a combination of old and new colours actually supporting. There's a really good effort being done by the active supporter group at Melbourne City. They're having a good atmosphere. There's good noise in the crowd. They're involving other people. So numbers disappointing in terms of bums on seats, but atmosphere 50, 50% better than it has been in the past. There you go. It's uh, fair. We'll leave it on that point uh, there, Warren, because that was very, very positive. Um, mm. Carlos, you wanted to raise... Uh, we've only got about three or four minutes, but you yeah. wanted to raise... Just on the back of the argument that Warren and I had last night and uh, about the Tasmanian bid for the A-League, and I was thinking, obviously, there's been a lot of talk. Uh, there's talk about Robbie Fa- uh, uh, Fowler possibly coaching a West Sydney... Sorry, West Adelaide team that's bidding for a A-League licence too, and there's talk about Brisbane and Perth and... You know, and I'm just wondering, given what's happened with City and how hard it's been for them, and not, and I'm not here to bag City about their crowds, uh, Warren, but it has been really hard for them, even with the investment in the in the in the in you know the, the players oh, the and, mm. and 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 now it looks like they've got a successful team. They're still not dragging in huge huge numbers of people through their gates, and I'm wondering whether the, the expansion teams should be these franchise types that just get built out of nothing, or should we be looking at existing clubs, and I'm talking about old NSL clubs, such as in the South Melbourne or Melbourne Knights, 
as as you know, with a team, a, a club that has some history and some you know some following already, as something as a club or an entity that could be given a license in the future. Me even considering South Melbourne or Melbourne Knights is just like unheard of because I didn't think that they'd ever be allowed in. But maybe it should be on the table because they might bring that block of support, that 5,000 to start with, and then they might build another 10 on top of that. I'm open to that idea because I think that uh, the attitude towards the game has evolved. And I think that we're in a new generation of supporters and supporter groups. So all of the reasons for, for sort of breaking away from that old model I hope and would like to think don't ex- don't exist anymore, so that we could possibly look at putting a, a South Melbourne or a Melbourne Knights team that have got a ready-made supporter base that they can then grow on, and then they can mm. tap into their their suburbs, like Melbourne Knights around Sunshine. There's yeah. a whole heap of people that you could probably get get on your side. My sense is it's different strokes for different cities. I think if you're looking in Sydney, that with the geographic split, you know. And it is geographically separated by rivers or areas or whatever else. I think you could easily put a third franchise, new franchise in the St George, south southern suburbs. You know, Cronulla, St George area. I think Melbourne. I don't think it could be a new franchise again in Melbourne. I think if you're going to go third team in Melbourne, that you probably wouldn't want to go with building a supporter base. You'd need to have some supporter base behind a team. So I think it would have to be an existing. So Geelong wouldn't work. Well, for you, I personally think... Did we miss the boat with Geelong? Well, I, I think we may have. I think we may have. And in hindsight, with the centralisation of facilities in, Victor- in Melbourne, it was either Geelong or a new, uh, an yeah. existing team. Adelaide, Look, Perth, I think, new franchises myself. This is a big topic, and mm. uh, we might touch on it again when Warren gets these uh, made it to all where, you know, the person he knows in the Tasmanian... I've uh, got to keep that name quiet. That's it stage. for this week's show. Thanks for your company tonight. Thanks for your calls. Thanks for your text messages. We're back on Wednesday night, so remember, Carlos. We're Puerto Rican girls. Hang out. Woo there. there. The Samba Rumba and La Bamba. Woo there. there. Woo there are girls with fruit on their head and balls on their feet. Woo there. there. Wherever gringos play football. Woo there. We are the Four Diego. Oh, hey!